what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. What you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. Across the table from me, on the second microphone at this table, is Chris Fry. And we are both uh, privileged to have the titles of co-founders and co-directors of the Foot Candle Film Society and also host of Foot Candle Films Podcast. How you doing, Chris? I am doing well. How are you, Alan? I'm, I'm pretty good. B- I'm both pre- of us are busy because we have an impending festival. We'll probably talk about that at the end of the podcast. But uh, Lots going on. Lots going but on. That's okay. It's, there's always time for movies, Chris. <laughs> Always, yes. Well, let me I say that. And of course, I'm the one that hardly gets to catch up on all the movies we're supposed to be seeing. Sure. But uh, we, we do have at least time for one movie we will be discussing this week, for sure. Yes. This week in our episode, we will be having a review of the film Strays, starring Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx. Uh, after that review of the film, the comedy film Strays, we have a couple of items. I've got a couple of news items to share, Chris, and I think Chris has a recommendation of a film he's going to uh, share with us as well for this yes. episode. So lots to do. Let's jump right in and talk about our feature film review, which is the film Strays. Today is going to be the best day ever. I love sunshine. I love butterflies. But more than anything, I love Doug. Hey! Shut the f*** up! That's Doug, the best owner in the world! On our podcast homepage on the Mesh.TV website, Alan's bio states he's a big fan of Citizen Kane and also appreciates films with giant monsters and where animals talk. Strays features talking animals, and in pet owner Doug, played by Will Forte, a giant monster, at least from his dog's perspective. Mm. So with these two criteria met, is this your favorite <laughs> film of 2023, Alan? Okay. Good call on that. Uh, yes, I do like the talking animal genre. There's two subgenres in, in, in there. I don't know if you're aware of. There's the animals. Those that, movies with Babe the Pig and those movies without no, Babe no, the Pig. It, 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 it's whether the animal's actual lips move okay. are made to make them move or you just are hearing them. I see. Without any movement. That's gotcha. two subgenres of the talking animals movie. Do you have genre. a preference between the two? Um, I like the talking lips ones. Okay. I do like it when the lips move. And this movie, interestingly enough, starts out. You're hearing, uh, you're following the Will Ferrell care of Reggie. Yes. Uh, the, the, the dog he plays. Uh, this is a live action film, but it is voiced. All of the animals are voiced by actors that we'll talk about. Um, we hear Reggie's thoughts and we don't see a mouth move for a while. I'm like, oh, we're going into that genre film. But then uh, things shift after you kind of get all the setup of the film done. And then you follow actually more of the day-to-day plot. Then, yes, lips move and I was happy. <laughs> so, um, sure. But back to your question of did this film work? Um, look, I, I think this is a very funny film. I did have a good time with it. Although it's a lot. It is 
it it goes the uh, it definitely takes the profane to a, an extreme level. I feel like at times that you know I just on a personal preference it doesn't always work for me. It got a little too much at times, a little too uh, a little too trying to push that raunchy button. But I had a fun time with it. I do think it's funny. I think the writing on it is pretty sharp. I think taking the idea of dogs and the things that we know dogs have as general characteristics and kind of playing them into how would they relate to one another? How would they talk about these traits that they have in a very, their own self, uh, self-aware way? I thought it was pretty clever at times. The plot, super simple. There's nothing much to that. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a very simple movie. It, even though it's an hour and a half, it is it is a little long. It does feel like it drags at times. I think this probably could have been a much tidier film, even in an hour, and been just as, uh, as as effective. But I had a good time with it. Yes, I'm a sucker for this type of film. Yes, I, I do like Will Ferrell. I do like Jamie Foxx. I thought they were both very funny. Um, actually, all, the, all four of the main characters, I thought, were uh, voice actors were very, very good as well. So... Chris, I saw some eyebrows pop out as I was giving my opinion. So, uh, have at it. Tell me, uh, tell me your thoughts on this film. Well, where where we're on the same page, uh, I thought the voice work by Farrell, Jamie Fox, uh, Randall Park, and Isla Fisher, Isla Fisher. Um, I thought yes, they were all they were all great. Um, I also saw on the marvelous internet that apparently in the film, like ninety percent of the dog stuff you see is is actual dogs i think there is a little bit where i guess they, it's totally cg obviously they make their lips move <laughs> via right CGI. well yeah the lips Spoiler, <laughs> right, that yeah. is but like you know getting the dogs to do things i guess that's all like mm-hmm. they're very well trained so you know that to me is also impressive because if i'm if i think about trying to make a movie that runs you know 93 minutes and it has to involve animals doing things like that just seems to me almost impossible right off the bat. Yeah, animate them or make them fake with CGI. Yes, easy. But so I'll give the film credit for that. And yes, you know, with any, this is supposed to just be a comedy. It's not supposed to make you think or anything. It's just supposed to be a comedy. Did I laugh a couple of times? Sure. But where I was disappointed mm-hmm. and I felt let down, and I think you appreciate, I think you like the film more than me. Mm-hmm. Um, where, and that's why the eyebrow raising that podcast listeners couldn't see when you talked about how it was well-written, mm-hmm. um, I think there are some clever jokes, but overall it reminded me of the Austin Powers franchise, actually, where they take it, they take something that's funny and then they absolutely just run, burn, run it in the ground, just totally kill it. And that's kind of how I felt here. Like they would have little funny things, but then they just kept like, you know, okay, Animals talking, funny. Animals talking and cursing, okay, funny. But then they just kind of go overboard with them cursing. It's like, yeah, after a while, it's like, I don't know who people who talk like this. Mm. I don't, and obviously, I don't know any animals <laughs> that talk, but definitely don't talk like that. So that was just kind of like, okay. And you're just trying so hard for like the R label. And, you know, dogs being dogs, they're animals, like humping things. Okay, funny. You know, and they, they even show, and I think, Again, kind of, you know, take a drink. The things that were in the trailer that were fine. And this is, I think this is one an example of a really well-made trailer. Totally sells the movie. Totally gives you the whole idea. Let you kind of know that it's going to be a little out there and definitely adult. But 
the beats that were in the trailer, the, like take those jokes and then just do them over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And that made for the 93 minute running time. Yeah. So I was, well, look, I agree with you on the length. I, I do feel like it was extended as welcome longer than it did too. And it was a little repetitive uh, with, with some of the jokes. Um, I still liked the intent of the jokes. Yeah. Do I wish I hadn't seen them in the trailer? Absolutely. It would have helped a lot for sure with that. Well, uh, I'll say something, you know, come around say something positive. Um, the character, Doug, the pet owner played by Will Forte in a, not that I love this film, but in a lesser film, they would have given him some redeemable qualities <laughs> or given him a story arc. Yeah. And they do not bother with that. And no. I think that's actually kind of a strength of the film where some of the things that they end up doing with the other characters, other dogs, they kind of wrap it all up in a really nice bow. And it's a little too like sugary, sweet, mm. schmaltzy for me. And I was kind of like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> kind of like how they're making everything nice. At the end. I'm like, wait, this isn't a Disney movie. You know, mm. Why are you just let it be what it was? So I kind of found that surprising. But the thing that saved it was that, yeah, Doug is a jerk and continues to be a jerk. <laughs> so yeah. that, that worked. And, and you know, the, the plot line of the film, I don't know if we even mentioned it or not. So, the idea is you have a dog who is abandoned by his uh, quote owner guy who basically was just had him right. um, played by Will Forte. That was, that was Doug. Um, so Reggie's on his own for the first time. He's abandoned. He teams up with these other stray dogs that he meets in the city uh, and then f- plots ways to get revenge on his former owner. And that kind of starts their, their incredible journey <laughs> in that the animal film, uh, is that the? I think there's an incredible journey, and then there's also Homeward Bound. Homeward Bound. Yeah, there's all bad. I think and one that of is them. A Disney version. Yeah, and I think it's like Homeward multiple Bound. animals sure. all kind of going on a trip yes. together. Same idea. Yeah. Um, Will Ferrell is Reggie. I I like. I mean, it's, it's it's perfect casting. I mean, he can play the gullible, uh, kind of a little too innocent for his own good. But yeah, when he starts to develop an edge, you kind of buy it. I don't know. I liked his work. Jamie Foxx's bug. Well, look. Uh, it's it's the most profane I've ever heard Jamie Foxx be, which I know he can be profane at times, but sure. boy, oh boy, they just let him go nuts with this. And I, I think it's really good in that I didn't even, I couldn't even even told it was Jimmy Foxx half the time because he just really just laid into this, this, this character <laughs> um, a bug, a little, what kind of dog is that? The little dog he played. Do you oh, know the kind of dog he is? Small oh, little dog. Yeah. My wife is a vet and I'm terrible. Yeah. I, it's a small little dog. Dogs. Anyway. Yes. And that's part of the joke is he's so small, but yet he's just got a big, big, big mouth and personality. And yes, um, he was really good. You mentioned Randall Park as Hunter, who's a uh, larger dog, another breed. I don't know how to tell he a large a, dog, Yeah, but yet the idea is he wears a, a, one of the plastic medical cones around him all the time. He's got a lot of anxiety. He's kind of a hypochondriac. It seems like to be sometimes rejected from the police force, right? Rejected from the police force. And then Isla Fisher as Maggie, who a very, very beautiful dog. And they even play that up kind of from a, an appearance wise. It's like a collie, like right. a little border collie type of thing. Sure. Um, but yeah, it was abandoned by an owner that she had as well. So, uh, yeah, that's the foursome. And I think, look, it, it, the plot's nothing to write home about. It, it, it's a pretty cut and dry thing. It's more they're banking on the conceit of, look, hey, here are four dogs. And instead of it being this little Disney production of four dogs going on a trip to find their owner, let's make them just be 
uh, alpha revenge and bad tempered foul mouth and just rejects basically right. uh that they're not trying to just get home they're trying to take revenge yeah so yeah and that's the whole concept of the film if that sounds at all interesting and funny to you then yeah <laughs> it's an hour and a half i think is is well spent with it but yes is it repetitive absolutely does it kind of wear way too much of his r rating on its sleeve for its own good yeah i mean look i feel like that way with a lot of comedies that come out you mentioned how you know you don't hear people curse and talk the way they do as much as they do I've said the same about so many independent films or, or hard R movies I see, True. or even comedies, you know, where it's like, man, people honestly don't talk this way. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like of any walks of life I, I, I encounter, but yet it's playing up. as like, well, we got our, our rating. Let's just go nuts with it. And let's make every other word as profane as possible. It, it, it does get a little tiresome. It, it does get a little tiresome. Some of the, some of the moments, I mean, I'm just going to say I'm not a big fan of seeing anything that has to do with uh, body excrement on screen. <laughs> right. It's not a big good thing for me. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's animal, human. it doesn't matter. That does not work for me at all. Oh, they love the excrement. Humor. They do. There's yes. a whole big scene I could have done without um, in a, in a uh, prison or animal control prison. <laughs> that was, um, yeah, that was probably the point where I'm, I say, okay, this is, this is a bit much. I'm, I'm having a difficult time with this right now for a while. Uh, but that's also more of a personal thing for me. I get, I, I don't want to sound like a prude on this. I, I, I have no problem with I, this. I just felt like it, they just maybe went a little too far for a little too long. Sure. In general. And I think, you know, it's just humor. Comedy is very hard. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's to do it right or to make it really funny. You're trying to appeal to so many different um, things and people like their senses of humor and just like their level of, yeah, profaneness or whatever. You know, is clean humor, really funny humor, harder to do than really dirty humor? You, like, mm-hmm. you just throw out a bunch of cuss words and some people will laugh just because it's like funny, awkward or whatever. So I think and callbacks, like that was my thing is there's a thing about how poop might be used to make chocolate. Okay. Yeah. Funny once. <laughs> Fine. Then there's a callback. There's okay. A, yeah. But then I feel like it keeps getting, it was definitely called back more than once. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, yes, that was funny. Now come up with something new. And that yeah. was just me getting, um, for instance, my favorite, which thankfully was not spoiled by the preview, my favorite joke in the entire movie. And I won't spoil it. Um, was there was a encounter with a, a monologuing dog. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, at a county fair that was good, yes. and there's a callback <laughs> to it and then they leave it. But that, that was my favorite thing in the whole movie. And I think that's just the kind of humor that appeals to me is that little kind of meta humor in a way of making oh, yeah. kind of a dig at Marley and me as well. Um, so you're making a joke about inside movies and then also making it. So that's kind of what appeals to me. And I understand this movie is like, it's not trying to do that all the time. Yeah. There was something there. But then it just, you know, it relied too much on other stuff that I just didn't find as funny. I I did find it funnier, (laughs) uh, even if I do feel like it was a little, a bit tiresome at times. Um, I don't know, just the concept for me. I, I think, I think as a, as making a comedy film, the whole key is to making something you feel like will gain automatic laughs is to have characters say or do things very, very contrary to what they appear or look like they mm-hmm. would be as, as characters. Whether you have small children, uh, there was the film Good Boys that came out um, yes. a couple of years ago. Yes. 
Very, very similar in that idea of... I actually recommended that on the show. You did? Yeah. Where it's like, okay, let's take young boys that are... We're going to let them be profane. We're going to let them really talk about you know, adult subject matter. And that's what's funny about that. You know, you do the same thing with... There's been some cartoons that kind of have taken that approach. Hey, let's have these really um, fun, youth-oriented little animated characters, but let's have them say, like, horrible things, you know? What was the one that was the uh, about the, all the food that uh, uh, Seth that Rogen was did? Seth Rogen thing. Was yeah. it Sausage Party? Sausage Party, yeah, yes. Sausage Party, kind of same idea. That's definitely playing into that. I mean, right away, the, the concept, it kind of writes its own ticket. It's like, okay, sure. yeah, we're going to have fun little dogs, cute little dogs. Dogs are still really big on social media right now. People posting dog stuff all the time. Of course. Let's make them be really profane well, and, and that, do that. And, and that's and, my thing you know, is, I think they just took too much of the free ride. Like it was a clever idea yeah. and there was some writing there, but I feel like it was kind of 60% of script. I feel like if it would have had a couple more revisions, it could have been really good or I yeah. would have liked it better, but it, it just was kind of taking a little bit of a free ride of, okay, talking animal movie, but instead of being a Disney movie, we make it a hard R and then they're like, okay. And then they put the minimal amount of work into the script. <laughs> So yeah, could are, be. I think also um, the pedigree of the film, not familiar with the writer. I don't know of anything that he's written other things, but I'm not familiar with them. But the director did a film that you recommended on the show, the Too Funny to Fail, the kind of documentary about the Dana Carvey oh, short yeah, yeah. TV mm-hmm. show. So he directed that. And then he directed Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, Perfect. which was a film from 2021. Yeah, that, you know, which we loved. And yes, yeah, so I knew that going in to this. So I was... My expectations, unfortunately, the bar had been raised, and it it did not meet them. So, I re- but I really, it's not you know voice acting. They gave it their all. The effects of the animals talking, great. Yeah, you know, it it's just this. It comes back to the script. That was well. My- look, I, I'm a, I'm I'm going to give the film personally a a good recommendation because I think I love uh, having been former dog owner. Uh, I have dogs most all my life. The the elements they decided to weave into the film and have the cut dogs comment on and give kind of that meta commentary from their own perspective, where we're seeing it from the dog's viewpoint, where something we already have a preconceived notion about, uh, their love of couches. Okay. I think it's funny. Yes. Was it used quite a bit? Absolutely. But very, very funny. Still all the same. Uh, seeing themselves in mirrors. I thought that's, Funny, unfortunately, spoiled in the in the in the in the trailer. I wish that had been something not in the trailer. As is I, the couch gag. Couch was too. That would have been funny. <laughs> right. You mentioned the humping. Yes, humping is very prevalent in the movie. Uh, but I like kind of the 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 take they give the dogs to do it. It's just again, it's a little more redundant. Sure. Um, There's a couple more things you mentioned about the. Uh, oh gosh, what was it? Oh, there was something else I was going to mention. Anyway, another one of those dog tropes that they just just kind of have fun with, and I think is great. Um, so, look, I like the film. Uh, I thought it was funny. Uh, it was a bit much. It's one of those where I will, if it comes on again, like when it goes to video on demand or it goes on to some streaming service or whatever, I would have on and I would watch, not because I'm watching it as a complete movie, but just sure. because there are enough funny moments and situations and the voice acting is fun to listen to. Uh, it, it's a fun time for me, but uh, not for everybody. I, I can see that. Yeah, and if you're looking for story, yeah, don't, uh, don't come here. No, you're not. You're not going to get it there. And if you're uh, concerned about the level of profanity in some recent movies, uh, yeah, definitely don't go see this one because this will this will not be a good fit for you. So, 
Uh, I think that's where we are with strays. Yes, sir. I'm positive. Chris is yeah, not not so, not so much. More on the negative side. Right, again, just because it, this gives me a frame of reference, Chris, on a five-star letterbox review, you're at where with this? Two? Either two or two and a half. Two or two and a half? Okay. I'm at, I'm at three to three and a half. Okay. You know, it, it's definitely not up in that four or five. There's no sure. way. Uh, right. It's just, it just doesn't have enough going for it to do that. But, uh, but it, it did keep me laughing quite a bit. Uh, some of it uncomfortable laughing, but still <laughs> laughing all the same. Fair uh, enough. That is Strays. Um, unfortunately, it is a little bit of a, a, a victim of the actor's strike from a box office standpoint because this movie severely underperformed, did not make a lot of money, and a lot of it's being claimed on, you know, well, Will Ferrell, Jamie Foxx, the big stars of the film are not out there promoting it and can't talk it up and can't share anything about it. So that does seem to be something affecting this film, uh, as well as the fact that the reviews were not stellar coming out of it. So word of mouth was not the most positive either. So I don't know how long it'll be in the movie theater after you hear this podcast, but I'm saying give it a shot. Chris is saying, eh, don't worry about it. I mean, maybe when it hits a streaming service, maybe. Oh, Mailman. That's the other conceit thing. I love (laughs) their take on Mailman. Okay, and that... Okay. They played that just enough. They played it just enough. Yeah, there yeah. were callbacks, but they were spaced out yeah. and they weren't reliant. There was and, one moment, and, yeah. And not filthy raunchy. Not that I'm against that kind of humor, but it no. was like, it was nice to have a break of something that was funny outside of That's just humor. like, yeah, when a mailman so, is encountered at two different times in this film, their reactions, and you really hear from a dog's internal voice of what their thoughts on the mailman is, sure. is very, very funny. So, Agreed. okay, that is Strays. We'll wrap that up. Chris, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, I think uh, I've got a couple of quick news items to share. You have a recommendation to share. That's what we're going to do. So stay tuned to Foot Candle Films. We'll be back in just a moment. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. Chris and I disagreed on our take of strays, but that's okay. That makes the world go around when we don't have everybody with the same opinions. It's fine. So my correct opinion of strays is that it was a very funny movie um, versus Chris's possibly misguided, uh, somewhat uh, uninformed. I don't know what the word I want to use for it, but your <laughs> opinion on the film. Yes. Uh, no, it, we, we saw some elements we liked in it, but not enough for Chris to give a positive review. Just enough for me to say, yes, it's worthwhile. Okay. That being aside, let's go turn our attention to some other things. Chris, we always like to either bring up some news or bring up some items to share. I've got a couple news items. I thought, let me talk about uh, in sure. the film world. And then I want to hear your recommendation of a film for our listeners as well. Okay. Um, Chris, I already mentioned during the review of strays about the actor strike and the writer strike still yes. going on. Uh, we had contemplated in past episodes, what impact this is going to have on films being released the rest of the year. Right. And we were hearing that some films were being moved and some things are shifting around. Well, we have another victim. Don't know if you saw this Dune has been officially moved as of just yesterday, uh, delayed to 2024. And it, March was the, I think was the month they gave it. Um, Mar- I believe yes. March I 15th. That was interesting because, okay. So they actually gave it a day too. Oh, yeah. 
I think it's interesting where you know everything seems to be so up in the air that instead of just saying it's going to be a 2024 release and maybe just giving it a month, like I'm surprised that they actually went ahead and gave it a month and a date. Like, you know, rather I'm not surprised they're moving it. I understand why. Cause like everything we said, but I, I'm kind of shocked that they go ahead and give another date. It's like, they're kind of guessing like, Oh, well we, it's kind of like the studios are like, we know when we're going to finally cave and give people money. Mm-hmm. So we know by then we'll be okay to release it. So I think that's, it does of, sound a little presumptuous. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Because I think the actors and writers have been struggling, struggling like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the word I've been hearing is that it could be still January, February, March, even, possibly where the strike's still going on. Okay. So it's like, okay, well then you're right. March saying it's putting a stake in the ground for March 15th. It is tough because like kicking it to like the summer or something yeah. that would seem like, well, or at least keep it open and say spring 2024. Or, and then as things progress, you can right. stake a more permanent release date as it is right now. If it's March 15th and things are not resolved in January, February, I mean, they're going to have to bump it again or else they just say, no, we're just going to release it. Even if we can't promote it, we just, we got to do it. Right. That's going to be the challenge with all these situations. And I'm not saying it's a, I'm not saying it's a, it's a, it's a heartache situation for the studios. Cause again, I do feel like the studios are a little bit doing this to themselves. Right. Um, so it is a dilemma. They are just going to have to deal with if they're going to continue again, from what we read and see, if they're not as cooperating with the, 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 the those on strike and the guilds, um, then they're going to have to figure out how to make their business work. And delaying seems to be the immediate thing. I think there's a belief that delaying films hurts everybody. It's like, okay, fine. Those on strike, your film is now going to get pushed back further too. And studios, we're going to try to make more money from the film when we can at a later date. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I just, my biggest fear right now is I honestly, you and I were looking at films to even bring to our film society to screen over the next sure. few months. And it's, it's not a lot. So we're in the early phases of this where right now production has stopped right. on movies. Right. Okay. We're still dealing with the movies that have already been made that are just coming out and those are getting delayed or, or not happening. So not only are we in this phase right now where we don't have movies, a lot of, a lot of current movies coming out. There are still some sure strays came out. You know, Gran Turismo is coming out this weekend. Retribution. Uh, right. Retribution with with Liam Neeson. Some of these movies are still coming out even despite they can't promote them. Right. But the big movies are getting moved. And then we still haven't even faced the time where because of all the productions that have stopped now, when they're actually able to start back up production at whatever time, there is going to be a, a dearth of time where there's not content coming out. So. And, you know, movie theater owners just – kind of were coming back from <laughs> the pandemic yeah. you know, with the savior of Top Gun Maverick. And the, this year it was Barbie and Oppenheimer. And now they're going to, they're going to be hit really. Yeah. Again, it's so. going to be another tough year. I mean, predictions I've already been reading and hearing from a lot of analysts are, I, and I know this, this happened in COVID, a lot of smaller independent theaters and all shut down and just yeah. couldn't support themselves. This is going to be, I, I'm afraid a round two of that. I mean, I think ones that maybe found a way to hold on, during the pandemic are, are going to be really tested on this. Uh, it's going to be time for theaters to be, just be creative with what they do and, and how they make use of the films that they do have available to them to show and how to make those as uh, attractive and more of an event for people to come see uh, right. than not. So it is a uh, tough situation. That is very, very true there. So that is Dune to officially been delayed. Uh, as you recall, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, 
they had already moved back uh, the other Zendaya starred film, which was Challengers. That was supposed to come out like now. I think that was supposed to be out okay. like actually September fifteenth. T- tennis and yeah, yeah, and it's coming out now April twenty sixth. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, so there's going to be a lot of films currently slated to come out in March and April. Okay. Whether that still holds or not, we'll see. But a lot of movies have been moved to that time. I now, think I saw in a similar article that Aquaman and Color Purple were, as of the recording date of today, still <laughs> still going. Still supposed small. to be this still going. Yeah. Um, you know, Aquaman. I I wouldn't be surprised if they just let that one play, <laughs> sure. just because I, I still feel like they're kind of just burning through these movies, kind of getting to the next phase of what they do want to do with the DC movies. Agreed. Color Purple. I will be honestly disappointed if they're not able to go out there and promote it with the stars and really get them a moment to shine on this film. It's going to be, it's going to be really disappointing. It will be because I, I'm anxious to see the film. I think it looks really good from the teaser and clips I've seen. And it's just, it'd be a shame for this movie to not get an audience only because it's, it's released at a strike and the actors, you know, some actors you recognize from the film, some are going to be brand new actors to people. Sure. You want them to get out there and get some attention and get some promotion for the film. So I'd hate to see that not happen. So here's hoping it gets cleared up before that time, but we'll see what happens. I'm hoping we have a Christmas miracle that the studios finally decide to settle and, you know, work with the actors and the writers. So I'm hoping that's what happens right around Christmas time or maybe Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving. That's, Give that's thanks my, for that's it. That's my hope. Give thanks for the <laughs> the lives that, yeah. So Chris, you know, a lot of our time we talk about movie news. It's all about, you know, what movies are coming out and what t- trailers are coming out. It's, it, it, we don't typically get into a real philosophical discussion mm. about the films and the film business. Okay. But I do have one for you. Okay. Has to do with a little movie that I don't even know if you ever saw. I never saw it. Okay. The Blind Side. I have seen it. You've seen the blind side. But yeah, I think um, because it was nominated for Oscars and won, did Sandra Bullock win? Sandra Bullock won for Best Actress. It was nominated for Best Picture in 2010. Okay, but I saw it the year it came out. And the reason is, you know, it was nominated. You're a completist. I'm I'm a completist. So I did see it. Right. Well, so those not familiar with the film, it is a, a sports film, a 2009 sports film that was nominated in 2010. Uh, the story of Michael Ower, uh, who is a teenager, impoverished teenager, upbring, uh, being brought up in Tennessee, and then a family, a white family that brings him in because of his his uh, his terrible housing conditions and where he's uh, where he was at the time they found him. He played football in high school, then went on to become a big college player and NFL player. And the movie plays up this idea of the family, you know that 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 Michael became a part of and right. the, how they helped embrace him and the Tui um, family, the Tui family. Yes. Uh, Leanne and Sean Tui. So got all of this acclaim. It was a big, big box office hit and it got a lot of award nominations. Of course, Sandra Bullock did win best actress for her world on that. Um, it has come out in, in re- just the last couple of weeks that Michael Ower, the, 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 the NFL player, that's mm-hmm. the subject of the film has come out and made some comments about how, uh, the Tui family, in his perspective and kind of from his side of the story, uh, misled him, maybe uh, felt like it may have used him a little bit more for attention and, and, and the, the business side of things. I think there was some controversy about, you know, the movie made it sound like he was adopted okay. by this family, but in terms, he technically would, he thought in real life he was being adopted, but it turns out he 
was not. Okay. So there are some things. I'm not going to take sides on this because the Tui families also come out and said, hey, no, this is what's happened. This is the real situation. I don't want to get involved in any of that because I don't know what the right story. I'm, we're not there. Right. However, there's been some internet buzz coming out about the movie saying, okay, given all these situations now that have come to, come to light, the movie is based on this true story or quote true story of the Tui family and Michael Ower. People are wondering, and I think there's even been some petition signed about that uh, Sandra Bullock needs to turn back in her Oscar. <laughs> Their argument is huh, that the performance is based off of a false pretense and it, it is not warranted anymore because the story had fabrications to it or was not what was really happening in real life. That's the argument. So, Chris, I turn it to you. I'm going to pose it as a bigger question. Should movies that are based on real stories and real people, if those things, stories change over time, should the movies be in any way impacted for what they had depicted at the time? I think that's ridiculous. Um, I think now I do not, I'm not a Hollywood studio executive. I have never worked on a major motion picture, but my understanding is that when you get people's rights to stories, legal documents are signed saying, yes, I am okay to have my life story. And you, but you also get some kind of compensation. So there's a lot of stuff. So, you know, Sandra Bullock's performance whether or not she's a fictional person or a real person, that's what's being rewarded, not how true to really real life it is. So from that perspective, I mean, now, if you want to demonize the film for portraying this fictitious thing that didn't really happen, that's fine. But mm-hmm. I don't think, so just don't watch it. You yeah. know? And then everybody can now say, oh yeah, that film was nothing but a big baked lie, which we know a lot of times when things are based on a true story, things are kind of, rough edges are shaved off. Some things are glossed over. That's just, you're not watching a documentary. So I can understand people, especially, you know, if Michael or if he's feeling slighted and feels like they took advantage of, well, totally. I can see, you know, why did it take it being 2023 for this to come out when the movie was made in 2010? I don't know, but maybe there have been some hard feelings in the meantime. Like who knows? Like you say, I'm not here to say who's right and who's wrong because I don't know. But do I think Sandra Bullock should have to turn her Oscar in? No, I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think I thought the, I thought the question you were building up to is like some type of legal stance on whether or not a film can say based on a true story or like, you know, what oh, if like mm. there's like this thing like, OK, let's put an end to based on a true story unless like, but I don't know how you would quantify that. Yeah, um, I will say. You know, there's the whole white savior complex or, or white savior thing and trope in films. Yeah. And Blindside obviously plays into that because they're a white family adopting a, a black child or not adopting a child, but taking him in, I guess. is. Um, so when watching, I remember, you know, it was kind of like, huh, that was a very fairy tale story. But I guess if it's true, it's true. But it it did it did seem so like squeaky clean and perfectly hewn out of, you know, the story bedrock mm-hmm. that was maybe a little suspicious, but you know, you, you take, if it says basically you're like, okay, you know, and at the time, no one, no one said anything. The yeah. family didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. I don't remember any press being around. It was all like, look at this inspirational true story. Well, so. and it, even the statement based on a true story, no matter what comes out of this, this disagreement, <laughs> yeah. it's the word based. And I right. mean, there are so many, 
biography, uh, biography pictures and real life story pictures that are made that are based on a true story. But man, a lot of liberties taken to make it a movie, to make it dramatic, to make it entertaining, I mean, to make it whatever. Had, we had something even more recent with Green Book. Oh, yeah. That whole story and like, you know, the controversy surrounding that. And it was like, do I fault Viggo Mortensen for portraying it? No, that you know, yeah. he's given a script. He does. Yeah, a this thing, is the know, part you play. Yeah. This is the character you're going to play. All that. No, I, I absolutely. I'm I'm 100 with you. Obviously, I, I no. It's ridiculous to think, especially the actress should right. not give out give back an award. She won the award because of her performance right. of a character she was given in a script to perform. That's it. And I, I you know, here's a statement. Uh, Alcorn Entertainment, which was the producing studio that helped okay. produce The Blind Side, has come out to say, say, look, The Blind Side is verifiably authentic and will never be a lie or fake, regardless of the familiar ups and downs that have occurred subsequent to the film. Indeed, scores of trusted individuals, not the least of whom is Michael Lewis, one of our country's most respected writers and journalists and the author of the book, The Blind Side. So it was based ha- on a book. Yeah. Okay, I'd forgotten ha- that. Have spoken of their firsthand knowledge of the authenticity of the two he's loving Michael dearly and raising Michael as their son through the end of high school and then throughout college and on to the NFL. They're basically saying, look, it's based on a book. The book is based on true interviews and, and exploration of this Which relationship. I'm at some points they are interviewing Michael. Right. Right. So, you know, the idea is that, look, it, it's things may have changed in the family, but that doesn't make the blind side as a movie necessarily inauthentic is their argument there. Gotcha. Yeah, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's 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 just not the way we need to look at art, you know, and, and performance art. And, and I don't fault a director. You have a project. This is the script. This is the concept you're going to film. Let's make an engaging, entertaining, effective movie that audiences are going to like. Check. We did it. Okay, right. we're good. Actors, actresses, same idea. This is the part you're given. This is the role you play. Go to it. And you did a great job. You win an Oscar. Um, if you got to put a claim anywhere, okay, yes, whoever wrote the script, if they had written the script based on inauthenticities right. that they were aware of, right. That's where you could start to say, okay, then that starts to taint the film a little bit if you're basically making up things on a script that you're saying is based off of uh, interviews. You're starting to kind of like write in actually false information, you know, blatantly false things. To That's where I could start to see it being a little more somewhere you could point some blame to a little bit, but not anybody else in the filmmaking process. So I, I think that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, I've seen The Blind Side once back in, I guess, 2010. Don't play, plan on ever seeing it again. So don't really, um, I hadn't even thought of the film until uh, Bo Burnham made a joke about it on uh, Inside. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> In one of the songs, he mentions yes. the blind side. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know. It's Well, it's an interesting topic. I, yeah. I just think, uh, yeah, I kind of feel the same way I do about, uh, you know, when, when a film is made and then if a, a person involved with that film has some, uh, issues in their personal life or some challenges or things that put them in a bad light in the public. I, I just, I hate it when the film and the people that made this film are blamed or, or given a bad light for that. Take the flash. Okay. We talked about the flash. I watched it again the other night. It's, 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 it's good. It's a fun, it's a fun superhero movie. It's a little better than what I reviewed it when we talked about it. Okay. But, um, but I know it's going to be clouded by, Ezra Miller sure. and their 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 person uh, personal exploits outside of the film, sure. and that's a shame because that means everybody else involved with that film is now 
got a bad mark against them for being in this film only because of one character, one person, one little small, and it's a big part of the film, but it's still one name on a credit right. you know, at the end. That's kind of how I feel about the blind side. You cannot blame and cast doubt on everybody else involved because now there's a, now there's a, a bit of a controversy going on with maybe the source material. So anyway, um, okay, good. Well, that was our little, our little soapbox <laughs> moment. We haven't had sure. one of those in a while. So let's, let's move on to more uh, positive forward moving subjects. Chris, you have a recommendation, I believe to share with us of a film that is it a, is it a positive movie or is it, we're going to go into kind of more negative? Uh, oh no, it's, it's positive. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. So Chris, what do you have as a recommendation for us of a film that you think we ought to check out? So, Alan, back in 2021, I think that's when they were released, but um, did you ever see the movie uh, Foreign Film, International Film, Drive My Car? Yes, I did. Okay. Mm -hmm. I saw it as well. Really liked it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember the running time, but I remember it was long. Oh, it was long. long. Yes. Okay. Um, Drive My Car, um, if I remember correctly. Three hours, maybe? Yeah. And the opening credits didn't show up until 25 minutes in. Something, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I remember that distinctly. It was great. So, um, I liked it. (laughs) Um, I think in the same year, the director also released another movie. This one was 120 minutes long. Hmm. Um, and maybe just because I was like, you know what? Drive My Car was good, but I don't have time to fit in another two-hour movie because I think it was at the end of the year when I found out the person had also done another release. That release was Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. Well, I had it on my watch list and Letterboxd for a while, and I finally was like, you know what? I'm going to watch this. And I watched it, and I really liked it. Hmm. Um, it is... 120 minutes, it is very kind of slow and deliberate paced. What sets it apart from Drive My Car is it has three different stories that are told. And they all have to do with relationships, um, kind of one's an unexpected love triangle that happens between some people. And then another story tells about a, a failed kind of trap that these people try to set for somebody, like a, to get him, yeah. I just I don't want to reveal too much about, it, but a, a failed trap, a, the seduction trap these people try to do on this one person, and then the last one is the kind of the most weird, kind of curious. It's like an encounter between two people that results from a misunderstanding, but then kind of a payoff. It's it's hmm. very it's very much a like a meditative type movie, and you think it is very talky, and so you're reading a lot of subtitles. There's not a lot mm-hmm. of action. But just for them to be able to, like the, after the first sequence was over, I was like, oh, okay, that was, that was interesting, you know, but I don't know what these other two are going to be. And I think they get increasingly better. The hmm. payoffs from get, so it's like it builds and you think like, okay, I get it. It's going to be a slow film. These people are going to talk a lot and they do, but it's all about interpersonal relationships and what people say to each other and what they really mean. The consequences of what people say or don't say, like it's hmm. all these little things. And it's just, I think you wouldn't think. And it could have been very easily a play because there's not a lot of action, right. not a lot of different sets. I mean, sometimes there are lockdown shots where you're looking at these two people talking for like what felt like maybe 10 minutes. Yeah. And the shot doesn't change. Right. Mm-hmm. But just following what they're saying and kind of the turns the story takes, it's pretty interesting. Hmm. And I think um, I, I, I think this guy makes – he's made two really interesting films – I'll be interested to see what he does next and I won't wait so long to check mm-hmm. it out. Sure. But um, it's Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. It's streaming on, I found it streaming for free on Hoopla, which is that service that like libraries the library, do. Library, yes. So, but uh, I liked it. I'd seen some critics talk about it, I guess, in 2021 and I was just like, yeah, I can't do another Drive My Car though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, 
it's it's really good. Um, and and you all actors, of course, I'm not familiar with. Um, but they were all they were all really good. So Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. Yes. Uh, it's two which hours is, long. Which yeah, is all right. Which is Three kind short of a stories. Odd title, but I think it's yeah. just all talking about how fortune, misfortune, how things just kind of align themselves. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And again, this was the director of Drive My Car, yes. which from 2021. Was that a, that was not nominated for Best Foreign Film. I thought or maybe it, it was. I thought it was. This one was not. Oh, uh, no. It, 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 did, it did win one Oscar. Okay. What Oscar did Drive My Car win? I'm pulling up to okay. see, and it's not cooperating with me. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so it, obviously it was in the running there. It was a nominee. Was it nominee for Best Picture? It may have been. Wow, yeah, it was a nominee course. for Best Picture and the winner of Best International Film. Okay, yeah, so it did It did, did win that award. Yeah. yeah, so it's just... But this was a film that this this director did the year before, or two years before, Drive My Car. Or, yeah, so... Yeah, because release dates were a little weird right. as far as yet. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend if you liked Drive My Car, I'd recommend check this out. And Drive My Car, kind of the same thing where it's very slow, but then the payoffs just kind of build. And that's yeah. the thing with this right. film is it is definitely a slow-paced film. You have to be patient with it. But for me, I found it satisfying. And maybe it also helps that there were three different stories. Yeah, so well, that, that definitely that breaks up helped. quite a bit. So for sure. if you were like, well, I don't really care about this story. Well, if you're patient, then you get two more. Mm. So Great. Well, that is Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. Chris is saying you can see it on Hoopla, which is the library system supported streaming service that if you have a library card at a participating library, you can technically get and access the Hoopla app, which right. will allow you to see a lot of uh, uh, movies. It does, it does, it does uh, music as well, too, I believe. I believe so. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's the Hoopla. Um, Chris, I don't have a recommendation to share. I've already done my bit with my news, That's but right. I, I did want to throw out one and maybe this is just a teaser. Maybe I will. I, I have a, a lot of exploration to do about a film that I saw for the first time just a couple days ago. Okay. It was on kind of in the background as I was trying to do some work. And then I started saying, Oh, you know, I never saw this film. I've always been curious and I watched it and I have some very, 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 odd opinions about this film. Okay. And I kind of want to talk about them, but it's going to be like a whole half of a podcast to do that. So maybe I'll just table that for another episode, but it was the Will Smith film Hancock. Yes. Yes. I've seen it. It has been a while, but that one's it's interesting. Well, it's not at all what was expected and interesting, daring to some degree, but also poorly done mm. you know it's like I, don't know, I could get into this for a long time it's but. kind of an early template for um the boys in a way a little bit has a little, a little bit, of bit of the boys. Of it came out way before the boys. this is the will smith film where he is a super powered individual uh that has it's kind of a a deadbeat guy just yeah. you know a, kind of a crass very irritable person that homeless person, I guess, too. They never I really go into a lot of detail. So. That's part of the problems with it, as right. I think. Uh, it's an interesting film. I definitely want to have a conversation about it. It is absolutely not a recommendation. <laughs> um, and we are at the end of our show now. But sure. I'm just throwing that out there as a little teaser for maybe okay. a future. I may want to dissect that movie a little bit. Well, if they don't make any new releases, maybe we'll have to. I think we may have to go ahead and stockpile some content that is not dependent on new releases in case that is the case. Sure. So Alan's diatribe about the Will Smith vehicle, uh, Hancock, will be coming to a future episode in the coming months, I believe, for sure. 
Fair enough. So I have quite a bit to say about that. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, we're going to wrap it up. We did our review of the film Strays. Uh, Chris gave his recommendation of Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. We talked a little bit about, unfortunately, how Dune 2 and other films are being bumped to the spring due to the, the strikes. And we also talked about the controversy surrounding The Blind Side and have both agreed that Sandra Bullock does not need to give her Academy Award back to anybody. That's right. Breathe, breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah. Chris, if anybody wants to chime into this conversation, give us some feedback, thoughts, questions, how do they do that? You can send an email to info at footcandle.org. You can follow us on Twitter or X at footcandlefilm. Facebook, we're on there, Foot Candle Film Society, and Instagram and threads, whereas just Foot Candle Film. Uh, do us a favor. If you like the show, give us a star rating, write a review, share with friends or whatever service you receive your favorite podcasts. It'll help us reach new listeners. We'd appreciate it. And check out the 2023 Foot Candle Film Festival. It's going to be happening September 15th through the 24th. So if you are in Western North Carolina, we'd love to have you. You can go to footcandlefilmfestival.com and get information about the movies, buy tickets, all that kind of stuff. So check it out. All right. We'll hope to see you at the festival in a few weeks. And we'll definitely be talking to you next week with our next episode of Foot Candle Films. And until then, take care. We'll talk to you next time. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.